Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Hi, this is Toby Philpott. I was inside Jabba the Hutt. And I'm John Coppinger. I was the clay mechanic for Jabba the Hutt, otherwise known as the Sludge Nudger. And you are listening to Nerdy Show. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom, from comics and video games to science and technology. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. I'm your host, Cap, and this is a Nerdy Show Microsode. That's where we discuss a topic that's been chosen by you. Joining me for this discussion is... Laval, the Nerdy Show Live Programming Director. And Doug from Ghostbusters and Nerdy Show. And Matt from Nerdy Show. Since uh, Jurassic World is coming out in a couple weeks, June 12th, we thought we'd take on a discussion that goes back to that franchise's origin, because Big Bad Shadow Man would like us to talk about perfect pairings of CGI and practical effects. Now, while our feelings on Jurassic World are definitely split down the middle, as seen in the debates we've published between Doug and Laval, which we'll link to on this episode's page, we can all agree that when it comes to perfectly pairing CGI and practical effects, Jurassic Park has got to be the first conversation you have. (laughs) Because we will talk about it the whole time. So, yeah. I think it would be fair, instead of just spiel about Jurassic Park for like three hours, if we maybe consider using Jurassic Park as the benchmark. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you want a refresher for not just how good the pairing of CGI and practical effects are in Jurassic Park, but also how truly revolutionary it was, last year the Academy Motion Pictures put together a really great about nine-minute featurette on exactly that, and we'll link to it on this episode's page. It's really good, definitely worth checking out. It was the first major CGI-like creatures and stuff. Quite frankly, no one has done it as well since then. We cannot truly expect that from any other film. Right, so 10 is drastic as preposterous as, yeah. the, as the statement is that, that is. That is the perfect. Right. That is the perfect that we're trying to achieve. Peter Jackson's first three Lord of the Rings films made a decent effort. They were really good. I wouldn't say perfect, but they were really, really good. I'd say eight and a half, nine? Yeah, nine, nine. Is that fair, Matt? Nine's fair. Yeah, nine's pretty good. I will say uh, the Two Towers battles, I think, scales back to an eight by now. If you've watched it recently, it's a little, you know. When you say perfectly blend, like perfectly blending it, it's like, oh, because it's photorealistic or is it just because it's believable? There were moments in the Lord of the Rings, original Lord of the Rings trilogy, where they used the miniatures and bigatures that did perfectly blend CGI, practical effects, compositing techniques, and all that, many separate elements to create one scene that you would never question once right so then Mm -hmm. if we're going to talk about if jurassic park's a 10 then can we say one is escape from new york that submarine scene (laughs) where the submarine pops up out of the water and they didn't even like add fake water 
I would say more like Jaws 3D Whoa, is number one. That's not fair. What do you How mean? How is it not fair? I mean, that's just like the lowest. Yeah. That, that's saying that's lower than Escape right. from New York. Oh, oh, oh So okay. what, what are we grading on a 0 to 11 scale? I mean, like... Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I would say Escape from New York is a better example of using a practical effect to pretend to be a CG effect when he's <laughs> when he's coming in over the World Trade Center and it's like the that computer grid of the towers when in reality it's just a model of the towers with neon oh, tape around it. I just realized I was thinking of uh, Escape from L.A. <laughs> That's a very valid point. Yeah. I was totally thinking of Escape from L.A. That's my I, best I knew what you meant. With the submarine, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so then, you know what I think is pretty good? And I know this movie is not the most popular and we all like to make fun of it. But when we were kids, tell me you didn't crap your pants. Independence Day. ID4. With the practical alien effects, like the puppets mm -hmm. and stuff. They that was great. done well. That was but, yeah. but the, the compositing. Yeah. And again, uh, also Men in Black, right? I mean, these are all like in the same. Men in Black's These good. are all Will Smith. Yeah, Men yeah. in Black did do a very solid job. Especially injury. at the time. It was yeah. really good. Yeah. I mean, the worms. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Worms still look good. Yeah. The only thing that doesn't really hold up in Men in Black is the final Edgar Bug. It's a little too shiny, plasticky, but that's, dude, that's the limitations of the time. And right. in fact, they, they wanted to do a full-size Edgar Bug animatronic puppet on set, but then they decided at the last minute, you know what, let's just go CG. So that's one of the problems with why it looks the way it does. Isn't it funny, though, that it's always the CG that wears down first? You know, it doesn't hold up as well. It's always the CG that crumbles under rewatch as opposed to the practical effects. Right. I mean, Jurassic Park's the same way. Still almost perfect, but it, it is starting to slowly the CG shots of the T-Rex. You're like, oh, OK, that's that's a little more CG than other shots. Well, I think it's about the believability of when you're looking at something, because when you're looking at a practical effect, your brain is subconsciously saying, OK, what I'm looking at is actually happening. It may not be moving realistically. It might have a little wobble like a puppet, but it's physically there. So I believe it. Whereas like with CG, it's like that's moving a little too smooth. In terms of like photorealism, it looks real. The lighting's right, the texture's right, but it's not moving right. It's easier for you to spot something that doesn't look right as right. opposed to filling in for the gaps, making money, it work. The faults of CGI is typically the lighting, actually. There's the peach colored digital fuzz, which has mm -hmm. been present for ages and is only now really starting to. You look at a film like uh, Pacific Rim, I couldn't tell you where anything starts and ends there. I know that most of what I'm looking at is CGI, but honestly, I couldn't tell you what. And so good, by the way, that I didn't even think of mentioning that film. See, you, you know, <laughs> exactly. Well, you, That's what we're up against here. Some of them, some of them actually have succeeded, but we won't even know because we right. take it see, for you know, you know, when the really brilliant effects come in is when you see something, I'm just going to say something like out of Pacific Rim, where it'd be like, let's just say, for example, a huge wide shot and you're looking at something unbelievable and you're thinking to yourself later, oh, that whole shot was probably all CG. And then if you ever watch behind the scenes, it's like, oh, no, just that giant robot with CG and maybe a couple buildings. But like all the millions of little people in the crowd, those were actually real people filmed on a green screen and put in later. You're like, what? Those kinds of effects always kind of blow my mind. When you're looking at something that you think is entirely just impossible and then later they reveal it. Oh, no, a good chunk of it was actually done for real. One of those examples, I think, for me is from the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy, like most of the stuff done with the Tumblr. That was a model car. I had no idea. I thought they did all that for real, full size. And then it's like, nope, that Tumblr was about the size of like, uh, I don't know, what would you say? Like, uh, Are you shitting me? No, dude. Didn't you watch the behind the scenes? No, I don't watch the behind the scenes. And you're why DVD sales have plummeted. <laughs> and the, during, during, during no, the I mean, Dark Knight. I still Knight, buy them. Like, I'll buy the special edition with the behind the scenes. I just... So during the Dark Knight, the Tumblr chase where he's like, he's protecting the, uh, the van that Harvey Dent is in. Yeah. And they do the thing where Batman 
goes past the truck and it spins and does the 180 and it comes back to catch the missile in time. Yeah. When it goes and does that 180, that's not the full-size tumbler. That's a that's a model. It's not full-size. Just watch the behind the no, scenes I've and you'll see. I've seen a photo yeah. of that model. I just assumed that that was like a mock-up. I didn't no, know dude. They, they actually, used it like legit camera. for real. And like at the end of Batman Begins when the train, you know, crashes into the parking garage, oh, yeah, all those are model cars. All those are model uh, trains. It's not real. Well, but I mean, even, they're not going to crash a monorail. Like, they're course. not going to build yeah, a yeah, monorail yeah. then crash it. Yeah, but the same thing even for the thing jumping all like all this stuff was models and then they blend it in and then like they have a cg batman and the first batman begins he jumps down the stairwell and he lands and he gets up and he walks away and you're like they cg'd a human and it looked that good when you're surprised like that and that's what gets me and the bats are great cgi and like swarmy yeah. things swarmy things are so good for cgi because well, it's going so, too fast. yeah it's go so fast you don't really even so, see it let me ask a let me ask a question if jurassic park was never made what would you consider the greatest cgi practical effect mashup film ever oh um i have to say at this point honestly uh inception wow okay yeah i mean I, they, I mean you know a lot of practical car chases the hallway fight the opening scene where leo is in you know japan uh like all of that was done mostly practical right and then the compositing yeah the grand visual shots that they did obviously use a lot of cg for like it it, it just blends really well together like it actually creates like a kind of an atmosphere for the movie using the two in conjunction not to sound cheesy but it's almost like a symphony yeah i mean by itself you hear like an oboe or a clarinet and you're like eh, you know that's that's those are annoying instruments um but <laughs> well it's true <laughs> but then like all together at the same time you're like wow that's that's a beautiful piece you have there and that's that's definitely that kind of thing like especially with inception i think christopher nolan's two biggest merits are his ability to put the practical effects like to actually to use actual practical yeah, effects yeah still like i mean you're talking about his dp wanting to still shoot on film and even better than that shoot on imax and then the <laughs> second thing for nolan is that the compositing itself layering it he clearly must put his effects houses through a lot of shit because you can almost never tell that scene right. of what's being composited over what about you doug it's that's a really tough. I'm unprepared. I was unprepared for the question. <laughs> but but the, one of the things that came to mind, I only saw it once, and I, although I didn't really care for the movie, I thought the effects were great. Was where the wild things are. Because mm, okay. mm. um, very good. Like they had these the physical costumes on set, and they really just sort of animated the faces, and maybe did some digital like set expansion and stuff like that. But I was in it, man. I was in that movie. Like I I, I, I was buying it. Everything that was happening, except for like. A great beginning, great middle, and then it's like, well, what's going on? And then just sort of peters out, and it's like, oh, okay, they didn't really do whatever. But that's all right. I just wanted a longer version of the trailer, because that trailer, you know, knocked me flat. So, <laughs> but, uh, but it didn't quite do that. But whatever. It was, it was movies all right, but the effects were, yeah, that's uh, easily sticks yeah. out as, as a great example to me. Good old JJ working on the new Star Wars movies. Mm -hmm. We should save it for State of the Empire, but they supposedly they're using real stormtroopers, whereas there were no clone trooper armor ever made for any of the films in the prequels. That all the clone troopers were CG. None. None. Jesus. Yeah. Fuck that guy. They, they stated that with pride when they revealed that. Like, That's Lucas right. was actually very proud of that fact. Now, back in the day, prior to Jurassic Park, T2. Mm. Oh, there you go, yeah. T2 was a winner. I mean, granted, T1000 liquid metal, that was an easy effect. Because uh, he's supposed to look that way. Right, but, yeah. but I mean, like they, they designed a character around an effect, yeah. essentially. But... It was very well done and still most definitely holds up today. Definitely. And when it becomes the actor, there's no real jump cut. None. Yeah. Yeah. Because usually when you see that, you can kind of see where like. They oh, yeah. Oh, him. that's when they switched him out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You but can't no, tell. Yeah. 
The only problem is, of course, in the editing room, uh, that movie was a mess. But that's for another discussion. Yeah, <laughs> the, 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 the whole—I mean, the whole behind the scenes—that's a whole other thing. Self-healing windshields and things. Um, <laughs> and actually, if we're talking about computer effects, uh, you know, James Cameron tried something where he was taking one frame every other frame out because get that stuttered look uh, apparently there's like a full cut where like the whole movie is like that and it's absolutely atrocious why would so, you do just that? for fun uh, uh i don't know well he's got some pretty big ideas about what must look good like you know 60 frames a second oh how about on the on the almost for me on the zero end of uh cgi and practical effects how about avatar i think avatar looks awful it looks like somebody layered a video game from 1999 on top of actual kind of footage i just take it as a cartoon movie i don't like i don't yeah. even think of it in terms of like oh this not, is a film it's like well this is a cartoon movie. but it's not but that's that, not that, that movie was such a product of like only being viewed well when it came out in a good theater with a good you yeah. know in like 3D. It'll, it'll yeah it'll never look that good again i don't like, know if just, i can i mean and i don't know if i can get as hyped for pacific rim without the big sound and the big picture and the IMAX and it was stuff. a tour de force in the theaters but yeah. the great thing about Pacific Rim is it was a good movie as well you know like, and it was a good film yeah yeah I mean as a, as a storytelling and stuff but it was that man it's that CGI and practical effects mix and um, I'm really glad that this was a topic I should say that Guillermo in general Does, I say yeah. I only use his first name because obviously we're very close yeah um, Mr. you mean it, uh, uh, you mean Mr. Del Toro yeah, Mr. Del Toro <laughs> he just genuinely does that pairing very well the Hellboy films Pan's Labyrinth, he did so many practical effects, you typically aren't sure where the CGI is in most cases. Mm. Granted, I haven't seen the second Hellboy in a while, and I recall there being some pretty big set pieces that were most definitely CGI, but I don't remember a memory being like, oh yeah, well look at that. And these are all films that took time to come out too when you think about it. They weren't rushed out or anything. or Like Clash of the Titans or anything yeah, like that. Exactly. Just, like, they just spit it out as fast it's, as they they're can. They're not Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Clashin, they're not clash. I almost said clashin. They're not cashin films. Like you know, when you think about it, Pacific Rim came out a time when big robots fighting big monsters wasn't really popular at the moment. You know, we didn't release it just because it was the hot thing. It um, led the charge, it, and it took a risk. It took a huge risk, I might add. And Godzilla probably would not have been as well received without that. I think um, I wasn't ready for a Godzilla reboot, and then I saw Pacific Rim, and I saw okay, maybe we can do this now. And then when I saw Godzilla, I thought it was true to the original films. And anybody who says, there wasn't enough Godzilla, has clearly never seen any of the original Japanese films because they were always about talking heads, a scientist saying, let them fight, and all that <laughs> stuff. It's like seeing a Western and complaining that the villains are too obvious because they're all wearing black and the good guy's wearing a white hat. I will defend Godzilla to death. The only thing I didn't like about it was the music. I think the music could have been a little, a little more powerful. Okay. A little more Nolan-y. Is there any other filmmaker who's really known for doing the really good effects? Spielberg. But, um, 
but it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all saw Indiana Jones 4. Uh, you know, I, I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember actually being genuinely impressed by the work done on the E.T. remaster that everybody hates. Oh, I was going to say, don't say the monkeys. But that wasn't him, though. That wasn't Spielberg, though. That's a team of remastering. It wasn't him when he said, yeah, no, add the blinks and the, yeah, and the, so. the effects. to e-. When they enhance the E.T. animatronic but with CGI, to me, that's maybe it like, looks terrible now, but at the time, I remember thinking, oh, that looks yeah. pretty cool. But to me, that's like attributing like the color version of Babes in Toyland to Ted Turner. You know, just because he colorized it doesn't mean he made the film good. He just colorized it. It's he, not the same thing as he directed. Being known he directed the film and hired a team to, to Spielberg, enhance his work. I don't know what other movies did Spielberg make that had CGI. War of the Worlds. Uh, oh, it was terrible. I mean, the compositing was really bad in that movie. You know what? There was probably some really cool special effects in Lincoln, and we just didn't even know that it happened. Hey, there you go. That's a thing. It goes beyond film, but like a lot of HBO TV shows that are on the scale of film, dude. Game of Thrones and Boardwalk Empire too. Like most of that Boardwalk doesn't exist. I was working on a. Future be named a uh, short film. We borrowed some radios, quote unquote borrowed, from uh, Boardwalk Empire. And uh, I had to go with a PA over to pick them up from the guy. It was like just this dock with like shipping containers. And I was like, oh, I thought we were going to see the Boardwalk uh, Empire set. And he's like, this is the Boardwalk Empire set. And apparently what you know is, quote unquote, the Boardwalk and everything is literally just shipping containers lined up that they CGI out. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's all it is, just shipping containers. That's really cool. Yeah. Wow. There's our rough list of movies that perfectly pair CGI and practical effects, and there's probably more of them than we know. And if we didn't notice and talk about them, that means that's the highest compliment. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Really fucking good. Yeah. So uh, if you're a little bit more hip to the recent special features than we are and can tell us about some great unsung compositing of CGI and practical effects, let us know. Comment on this episode's page or on our SoundCloud. Of course, if you would like to decide what we talk about for 15 minutes or so, all you got to do is support the Nerdy Show Network. We're entirely listener-supported, and you can fund us via one-time donation, or if you'd like to get microsodes and other perks alongside our extensive perk library, just head to patreon.com slash nerdyshow. Check out all the different awesome things we offer if you support us at different levels, and subscribe for monthly awesomeness. You can get a cool bite-sized discussion like this, Or every now and then, our microsode plans get kind of out of hand, and things like what happened last week happened, where Twomper asked us to talk about professional wrestling, so not only did we interview Brian Knobs of the legendary WWF tag team duo The Nasty Boys, but Brandon and I got in a wrestling ring with him, and uh, he beat the snot out of us. So if you haven't seen that yet, you can follow the link on this episode's page. This month, Nerdy Show needs your help for something other than your casual donations or your generous purchases through our affiliate link at Amazon, nerdyshow.com slash Amazon. We are applying for a grant. It's not your traditional grant application. It's kind of uh, more of a contest. It's uh, being put on by Mission Main Street Grants and Chase Bank, and 10 small businesses will be awarded $100,000. We want to be one of those small businesses. Our application's in. But the thing we need to get to the next level is your vote. There'll be a link on this episode's page, but you can also go to nerdyshow.com grant to be redirected to a page where all you got to do is click a button. We need at least 250 votes to qualify for the judging, but the competition is steep. There's a lot of small businesses out here vying for that very sizable chunk of change. So we want to make sure that we get way more than 250. We need that Nerdy Show flag waving proudly. The one requirement to vote is you have to be logged into Facebook. Unfortunately, that's how they're linking everything together. There's no way around that. You have to have a Facebook account. 
Even if you don't, if you could just share the link, if you could pass it around and say, hey, I love Nerdy Show, all you need is a click, that would mean the world to us. But basically, this grant, it could take everything we've ever talked about, every long-standing project that hasn't come to fruition yet, and all of our best laid plans and give us the resources we need to accelerate them. I'm the only full-time staffer that Nerdy Show has, and even I have another job. We're still very much a grassroots organization. We're doing what we can to make sure that Nerdy Show can continue to grow so more of us can devote more time, put out more projects, and put those projects out faster, and keeping the awesomeness coming forever, ever, ever. But as things are currently, it's all slow and steady to win that race, and this grant could be a much-needed nitro boost. So follow the link on this episode's page, or go to nerdyshow.com grant, and all we need is a click of the button. Maybe we get a grant, maybe we don't. Either way, we're not going to stop the Nerdy Show machine, but it's a possibility worth fighting for, because that's a hell of a lot of money. Speaking of, we got some generous one-time contributions from the always awesome Kruger siblings, who via the ability to include a message along with your one-time donations at nerdyshow.com support, do these awesome call and response messages. This one is uh, one best read without pauses, but it was Ethan and Caitlin going back and forth to put this together. What can one wizard accomplish in just 15 books? Warlocks whacked, werewolves whipped, spooks stomped, fays flayed, curses crumbled, vampires vexed, zombies zapped, terrors terminated, incubi impeded, demons demolished, quizlings quashed, nations nuked, wraiths wrecked, queens checked, and swindlers swindled. Harry Dresden, wizard for hire, and Nerdy Show's next book club star, we hope? Well, Kruger siblings, we would certainly love for Nerdy Show Book Club to return and like James Bond, it shall. Hopefully sooner than later. Nerdy Show Book Club is, of course, the reoccurring Nerdy Show episodes where Nerdy Show hosts, along with the community, read a book and also talk about the other stuff we've been reading. It's been on a unplanned hiatus for a while, and we would love to bring it back. In fact, we'd love to bring it back most on a regular fixed schedule. The only way we can do that, however, is if we manage to reach our $1,000 a month Patreon milestone, which is the next milestone we need to reach. With you guys having just recently stomped our 700 milestone, enabling us to actually give back to all the other shows on the network. But it's likely to still be a while before we hit that milestone. I'm sure we can all do it together. But in the meantime, that doesn't mean that Book Club isn't going to come out. In fact, we're way overdue, and the list of books that I've read and haven't had a chance to talk about on the show is only growing. So uh, that's got to get taken care of. That's like a sewer main ready to burst. So we got to, yeah, we got to do that. And as for the Dresden Files, well... Something we've never tackled on Nerdy Show. Actually, if I remember correctly, there's a microsode related to the Dresden Files that we, uh, we still need to do. So maybe we can all uh, link these things together. We'll take it under advisement, Kruger siblings. In the meantime, everybody be sure to read Neil Gaiman's The Ocean at the End of the Lane, which, if you can remember back that far, was the next Nerdy Show book club book, because sometime soon, we're going to be doing an episode where we're going to talk about it. As for me, I read it, and I liked it a lot, but at this rate... I really should reread it before we do the show. Thanks so much for listening to me yammer on about all this behind-the-scenes Nerdy Show stuff. Remember to go to nerdyshow.com slash grant, click that button, and then share it with everybody you know. And uh, we'll see you next time. Taking us out is a track by Freeze Pop from their 2010 album Imaginary Friends. This is Special Effects.
Thanks for listening to Nerdy Show. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes or like and follow us on SoundCloud. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via Patreon. Any size contribution gets you exclusive outtakes, episodes, and images from across the network, and there's even more perks available. Just head to patreon.com slash nerdyshow. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. You can subscribe to Nerdy Show via iTunes and SoundCloud. Leave a comment, like and share, and follow Nerdy Show on all your favorite social networks. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com. If it's geeky, we got it covered. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>